Welcome to Church Chats with Gospel Gal. I am Gospel Gal, Marissa Namir. On today's episode, I'm chatting with some friends about friendship in times of sorrow. I have a few ladies with me here today, Joy, Jennifer, and Cassandra, and they are going to help me discuss this very important topic today. I think it's important to the church to know what is helpful and what is not helpful when we're talking about helping a friend. They're hurting in some way. Sometimes we desire to help, but the things that we say or do are not necessarily very helpful. So biblically, how can we really help a minister to someone when they're hurting? I just wanted to introduce everybody to Cassandra Wolf. She's with us for this episode. Yeah, thank you so much, Marissa, for having me on this podcast. It's definitely a topic I um, feel very passionate about and very connected to. Um, I live in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I am a member of a PCA church here in Grand Rapids. I've been for almost exactly five years now, and that's been a, a wonderful place to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. I work as a social worker. Currently, my role as a rehabilitation counselor, so I help people with various disabilities, everything from extreme mental health diagnoses different physical disabilities. I assist all of them in finding employment and preparing for employment and and looking at what does it mean to maybe enter the workforce for the first time or go back into work after acquiring a disability. So a lot of the counseling that I do, while it's not directly trauma counseling or grief therapy, there's a lot of that in the work that I do when walking with someone with disabilities to figure out what does life look like now. Um, after acquiring this disability, or do I re-enter the world now? And that's something that I'm personally very passionate about because I myself have cerebral palsy and I am legally blind. So I have been acquainted with um, suffering and difficulties, I think, for my whole life because of those two unique disabilities. So I, I have a lot of empathy for people who are sorrowing and struggling and grieving. And I think it's so important that we as the church talk about that when we talk about the beauty of the gospel. Uh, For those of the listeners who do not know this, I am also a licensed professional counselor. And in our graduate training, our professors instruct us that if you have empathy, you have 50% of what it takes to be an excellent counselor. I think that as Christ Church, we are uniquely equipped to sit with people who are hurting and struggling. And um, so we want to speak to that today. I appreciate your voice here, Cassandra, so much. I just want to share a situation that maybe everyone who's listening can identify with. Some months ago, our youngest daughter was diagnosed with a medical condition. She was literally bedridden for about a month at age 19. And we have wonderful Christian friends who came alongside of us and supported us and prayed for us during that time. And one of these friends um, sent me an email one one afternoon. I received it, and she was well-intentioned, and I sincerely believe that she was seeking to comfort me in a time when we were very distressed. Basically, what 
she said to me a little snapshot of a picture that says, don't waste your sorrows. What do we do when we are afflicted and in pain? Usually we give in to self-pity, bitterness, fear, or envy. Now, I don't know about you, but those words pierced my heart when I heard them. As much as she was trying to be helpful, it actually hurt me. It hurt me to hear that there was an assumption that because I was in pain, I was either currently or about to become bitter and self-pitying because of the situation that we're in. And my response to her was, thank you for your thoughts. And mind you, the person who sent me this is also struggling with some physical problems herself. I said, thank you for praying for us. The Lord is an ever-present help in trouble. I also hope that you are continuing to recover well from your illness. Never once did it occur to me that you might be indulging in self-pity, fear, or envy. When we suffer, we're allowed to enter into the passion of the Lord. And I'm so very thankful to know that He is touched with a feeling of, of our infirmities and identifies with our sorrow and pain and distress. Can anyone kind of identify with what I experienced there? Yes. Um, I'm really sorry that that hurt you, especially in the, in the midst of some uh, trial like that. So I think that's not very helpful at all because I feel like that just adds more sorrow on top of what you're already suffering because now you think that there's something wrong with you for feeling how you feel. Thank you. I appreciate the tenderness communicated there. Yeah, it was hurtful. I mean, we were already in pain. I very much hear Job's friends in that as human beings, we are so averse to any kind of pain that we just throw answers at it. And that's what Job's friends did. And that sounds similar to what your well-meaning friend did. We don't have a robust language to speak about pain in a loving way. I think about Jesus when his friend Lazarus died. When he approached the family, what did he do? It wasn't his first thought to look at the people around who were sorrowing and suffering and to say, stop it, don't you know this was my will? He moaned and groaned in his spirit. Jesus is not primarily our example. He's our Savior, but he is also our example. Can we just sit and moan when someone else is grieving, cry with them? Sometimes we don't need to say anything. Just a presence is helpful. Does anyone have a situation where you were grieved and someone really did come alongside you and help you in a way that was comforting? About two years ago, when I was going through my whole reforming process, I had a friend who really came alongside me. And some of the things that she told me was extremely helpful, especially when I had wanted to just give up and walk away from the faith altogether. Because it's like, if I don't know what's right, then, then what's the point? And one of the helpful things that she told me was... God was revealing certain things to me because He wanted to assure me of His favor and love towards me in Christ. And that's something that I take to heart now because no matter what we go through, I think we have a tendency of throwing God's sovereignty without connecting it to His kindness. And that friend really helped me 
to see the connection between God's sovereignty and kindness in a way that I don't think I really considered before. Sometimes God's people use God's sovereignty in a blunt way. It may be comforting to them, but it's not comforting to the hearer. So it's important for us to always link together God's kindness with His sovereignty. Those things aren't separated. He uses the most desperate and harmful situations, especially the sacrificial death of our Lord Jesus Christ that was allowed and that was ordained. And it was desperately horrific and horrible and sinful on the part of those who executed him. But at the same time, we know that God was using that ultimately for his own glory and for our good. It's important to always link together God's sovereignty with his, his kindness and his goodness. So thank you for saying that, Joy. This didn't happen to me, per se. I was talking with my parents last night, and I was their firstborn child. Not only was it a really difficult, it was a difficult pregnancy, but then I was born premature. So I was very, very sick and almost died numerous times when I was a newborn baby. So my parents couldn't hold me for the first three months of my life. I was living in a NICU, um, lots of prayer. And it was really miraculous in the work of, of God that I survived because medically I wasn't supposed to. They were telling me yesterday about a neighbor came to their door with a cake that she had made because I was in the hospital. And they said at this point, I was very close to death. Like they, there was no certainty that I would live. And this woman came to them with her cake. And in an attempt to evangelize or something, I don't know what she was doing, she brought the cake to be comforting, but then she said to my parents, the reason that your daughter is dying is because the devil is in this house, and it's because of the sin that you've committed. And that was her answer with her cake. It was horrific. It brought nothing of comfort. I know in her mind, she felt that she was in the right in speaking to my parents about their grief for their daughter. It was obviously the absolute untruthful thing to be said to a young couple who has no promise of whether or not their daughter will survive. She was trying to bring cake as a, as a means of hospitality for that. I think that was atrocious. And I think my parents still talk about it, you know, to this day, even as they were talking about it last night. Supposedly, that was a, a well-intentioned way to save their souls, but it was harmful. So hurtful. Yeah. Unbelievable. I don't know what good, honestly, that kind of a message sends to people who are hurting. Yeah. Let's talk for a minute professionally. As a counselor, as a social worker, what kinds of things do you learn as far as communicating empathy and support for people? What is helpful for people when they're enduring something really, really hard? I've learned and found that it's helpful to say, let this be a space of safety for you. Someone starts to cry, let them cry. Being willing to just be silent and letting the emotions and knowing you can't fix it, like letting that discomfort kind of be in the moment because my discomfort as a practitioner does not matter in the moment of someone experiencing real grief. 
to allow it and to name it can begin to give someone permission to access that grief and then ask for what they may need as they process through it. Yeah, absolutely. That That is so helpful when someone just kind of affirms and has words for what it is that you're experiencing. Sometimes when you're in this kind of a, a an ocean of emotion, it feels like you're drowning and you're just flailing and searching for some sort of rescue. And when someone has words to hang what it is that you're feeling, yes, that's it. But yeah, grief is one of those things that when you say it sounds like you're grieving, that is so helpful and validating. I've had situations where I'm helping someone through an abuse situation. They don't even know that they've been abused. And I say, you do realize what you've just expressed to me is abuse. They're like, really? That's what that is? Yes, that can be very validating for people to know. I made mention of this before, but sometimes it's helpful to just not say anything at all. Sometimes you can just sit and wait, let the person grieve, lend them your shoulder, let them cry, weep with them. And sometimes you can ask, what will be helpful for you? What what do you need? How can I help? In addition to that, what do you need or how can I help? I sometimes find asking the phrase, what would make you feel safe in this situation right now? Because sometimes expressing emotional sorrow can feel vulnerable in a way that's new. And again, like you said, Marissa, just being really affirming of what they're experiencing in that moment. And as friends, even outside of the professional realm, just it's okay for us as the people who are listening to the grief to recognize that we will be uncomfortable. That's human reaction and that's human nature. And there's nothing wrong with us as the listeners if we feel a little bit of discomfort, lean into that discomfort to better help the person who's grieving and dealing with sorrow. One of the things that sometimes helps people and sometimes does not is for you to say, I understand. As somebody who's pretty young, I haven't suffered in ways that other people have. I tend not to use that phrase because I, in reality, I really don't understand. And people's grief is different. So I don't want to make it about me either. And I know I've been, I've been guilty of doing that myself. So it's like I have to remember like, okay, it's not about me. It's about them. Maybe instead of saying, I understand, it could be better to say, I'm sorry and just offer to be present. But Joy, I did want to bring in some passages of scripture, how we can comfort people and why. So will you please read from Second Corinthians chapter 1? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Yes, and amen. Thanks be to God. And it is true. We are able to empathize with people when they are suffering because we ourselves have suffered and have been comforted by God in our own sorrows. It's great that you read that today because I had had pulled that up for this conversation as well. 
what I think it, it reminds me of is that we are connected in the community of believers. And so when we suffer, we can know that all of us are united by Christ and that suffering is not something that just happens to one person, but we all experience it. And because we are the body of Christ, we can be there for each other in our sufferings. And it actually helps build us up to become more like Christ. There's just so much beautiful imagery there of community and togetherness, um, especially when often suffering can feel so isolating and alone. I love that you brought up community. And I really hope that that the conversation we're having is helpful to people so that we don't have to run away in discomfort when people are hurting and they need us the most. This is real life. It's where the boots hit the ground. You know, Christ gave himself for us. And the more he reveals his love to us, the more that overflows with love for him and love for our brothers and sisters in Christ and those in in our lives and in the world. I hope we can learn to love one another better and to forge stronger relationships with one another. I think Joy has said and Jennifer has said and I have said so many times, there is nothing that brings us so much comfort is to know that we have a wonderful counselor in the Lord Jesus Christ and that he has fully identified with all of our griefs and sorrows. And not only has he felt them and endured sorrow and hardship for us, as we hear in Isaiah 53, but that he sits in heaven interceding for us to this day. The background that I came from, most of the emphasis is placed on how to suffer well if you're feeling these things and you're in sin. Whereas in Reformed theology, the emphasis is actually on Christ who does enter into our suffering and it does identify with us. I don't think I really heard or understood a lot of what you were saying, Marissa, until I went into a Reformed church. Which part of what I was saying, just to clarify? How you shared the gospel, Christ coming and living in our place and identifying with our sorrow. I don't really hear a lot about that in the background that I came from. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of internal focus in other communities. And unfortunately, sometimes I think it happens in Reformed communities as well. I've talked quite a bit about things that don't help. But I do want to say that the most helpful people that I've talked to in the Christian community are always offering me Christ and pointing to the fact that whatever situation I might be going through or whatever I'm enduring, He's always faithful and He's always compassionate and He's always present and He's never leaving. He sees, He knows, and He cares. And he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Before we move on from that subject, I wanted to ask Jennifer if she would read the scripture portion from Isaiah that I mentioned. Isaiah 41 through 2. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned that she has received in the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Yes, that's good news. We've talked some about physical illnesses and ailments, but sometimes we suffer because we're in sin. And we need to be reminded that even in that kind of suffering, Christ is with us and He's for us. And instead of running away from Him, He wants us to run to Him. 
even when we are unfaithful to him, he is still faithful to us. So that's why I wanted to bring in that piece too. And he says, comfort, comfort my people. Declare to them that their iniquity is pardoned, their warfare is accomplished. And that's such good news. It reminds me, I mean, it is such good news. And hearing that, it's like, it's like hearing it fresh. And it just reminds me of how much we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every single day because it's so easy for us to forget. And so whatever trial we're going through, the gospel will always be the balm that our souls need. And that's just a, it was a beautiful reminder. Thank you. Yes. I don't want to confuse the listeners. I'm not in any way insinuating that if you're suffering physically, it's a result of sin. I'm, what I am saying is sometimes we do suffer because we sin. <laughs> and at the end of the day, we know that all suffering is the result of original sin, right? So there's a day coming. And even now, we can know that the Lord is in the process of reversing that curse, the curse of original sin. And we can be comforted in that. And, and every day we can comfort ourselves and we can comfort our brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, reminding them that there is a day coming when we won't suffer this way anymore. Amen. I think this has been a really helpful conversation. Maybe what I would leave your listeners with as an encouragement is to know that the Bible gives us good words to use while we're suffering. Um, so we have the Psalms, we have the Book of Lamentations. Those are tools that we can use as we are suffering and as we are trying to come alongside people who are suffering. That's language that God says is is possible that he's given us to to kind of navigate these waters together because it is such a difficult thing and his word is sufficient. Absolutely. The Psalms and the Lamentations, they show us real people who are in the process of real suffering. One of the things that I struggle with helping or comforting people is just this sense of helplessness and wanting to make things better and also the fear of saying the wrong thing. And so I found that it actually paralyzed me and made me not want to do anything at all. What are some ways that would be helpful for me to kind of overcome that going forward? I think that is a great question, Joy. And I don't think you're alone in that question. I think that's a question that so many people have what I would recommend is to speak those things to someone, to say to them, I don't want to say the wrong thing and I might have an impulse to fix this. So that's your vulnerability with them right there. I want you to know these things because I love you and I'm here for you. Let's just sit and figure this out together. You are not expected to have an answer or to fix it as much as that's your impulse because often there won't be a quick solution. But to be vulnerable with your fellow human being, with your brother and sister in Christ, can be a beautiful way to connect you with someone in their suffering. So good, Cassandra. Thank you for that. And to express that vulnerability, like Cassandra said, just to say, I don't really know what will be helpful for you right now, but I'm here. And think about any given Sunday in church when you might ask someone, how are you? And then how often is it that people really seem to want to know? <laughs> and we, we become accustomed to just saying, oh, I'm fine. But yeah, is that true? Can we really look into someone's eyes and say, I really want to know what's going on with you because I care for you? 
And please let me know how it is that I can be helpful to you, even if it's just sitting with you in the moment. And also that, that if you ask the question, let me know how I can be helpful for you, that person may not know, and that's okay. So even if they're like, I don't know how you can be helpful for me. My mind is just spinning and I, my world is turned upside down. You, you can take that back and say, that's, that's fine. But I want you to know that I'm just here for you. I also think if you can set up a very particular time to be with that person, but just can we find a time where I can come over? Can we find a time to have a phone call later tonight? I really want to give you the time that you deserve for this. I think that can be really helpful too. Maybe the, the paralysis that you might feel could be an instantaneous kind of feeling of like, wow, that's new news to me. They're really struggling. I want to fix it. But if, if it's possible, setting aside a specific time to be with that person in their grief could be very helpful. Very good feedback. I wanted to read this quote in closing. It comes from one of my connections through social media. I don't know if you ladies know her, but her name is Persis Laurenti. And I saved this quote because I thought it was so helpful. It says, a good friend encourages you not to put on a happy face when you're sad. She recognizes when you need to mourn. She also reminds you that God loves you. Jesus is interceding for you. And there's no shame in grief. I just want to thank you for inviting me to be part of this conversation. I still feel like I am learning so much. And I think the last bit of that quote, there is no shame in grief, is something we need to like shout from the rooftops to a culture um, and a world that would make us think otherwise. Absolutely. We can be so beneficial to our brothers and sisters in Christ if we just take the time and try to get through the discomfort we feel with other people when they're grieving. Take the time to mourn with those who mourn and weep with those who weep. We all suffer. In these times of trial, remember the beautiful words of Heidelberg 1. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from all the power of the devil. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. In closing, I would be remiss if I did not direct my listeners to pastoral care. Please see your pastor. He is charged with caring for your soul. Also, if you have ongoing persistent grief and depression, please consult medical attention and clinical counseling. These are God's means of common grace to you, and there is no shame in seeking out the appropriate care for your needs. Thank you again for joining the chat today. Please join us again next time, and until then, gospel blessings.